This is Lessons in Life, Journeys in Offender Rehabilitation, a podcast from the New South Wales Department of Justice. My name's Jordan and I've been given an all-access pass inside the New South Wales criminal justice system to see the work that's being done to reduce reoffending across the state. Over the next five episodes, we're going inside. Visiting prisons across the state, we look into some of the most significant changes in the history of Corrective Services New South Wales, and we meet the men and women making it happen. For those unfamiliar with the corrections landscape in our state, the New South Wales corrections system has two major components. On the prison side, there are about 13,000 inmates in 39 facilities. And on the community side, there are almost 60 officers around the state supervising offenders in the community who are serving court orders ranging from parole to a community corrections order. The whole system is administered by Corrective Services New South Wales, whose goal is to preserve community safety by keeping inmates secure, supervising offenders in the community and reducing reoffending. Coming up in this, our first episode, we take a look at the new case management units being established in prisons across the state. The issue is that they don't know how to change and so that's that's where case management comes in and services and programs to actually really start to think, how can I not do the wrong thing? That's what we want for them. We asked Governor Linda Foray if she feels offenders can in fact be rehabilitated. What's the point of just locking them in a cell um, and not even trying? And we talked to Dr Anne-Marie Martin about the things you might be surprised to see if you took a tour through one of our prisons. Many people would never have seen somebody that could never read or write but is now in an intensive learning centre. Custodial case management units will create more than 150 new case management roles in prisons across the state. Renee Van Arken is a project manager responsible for implementing this very large program of work and she's my first guest. Renee, thanks very much for being here with us. Now, my first question for you is, how do you think prisons are changing in 2018? Prisons are changing a lot, yeah. Um, I think that even for custodial officers, they also are part of the change. They want inmates to be settled and calm and working well in their industries or uh, behaving in their um, wings. And they also understand that behaviour change is the model of the future. We're not warehousing offenders anymore and how they want to be part of that process as well. Renee, how do you go about creating change in an offender? Having them understand why they need to change. So being able to get them to have the light bulb moment, whatever that might look like, you know, why do I fight with my, you know, girlfriend on the phone? Why do I fight with my celly? Why can I not follow direction, you know, when I'm in the industries? And actually getting them to recognise that, there's no point us telling them those things. They need to understand how that happens to them and how they can do some different things to change how they think about it. And how hard do you think that behaviour change is for an offender? Really hard. How hard is it for us? It's it's actually really hard for anyone uh, to change a behaviour that they're used to doing, uh, you know, that becomes a habit um, as well as, you know, something that they're not actually aware that they're doing as much. It's very hard. Renee, how does the new model of case management change the way an inmate returns to the community? The offender goes back into the community having thought a lot more about what their particular needs are around not coming back into custody. So they just have a little bit more of a plan that says, these are the things that I need to look at if I'm going to not do the same things that lead me to coming back into jail. There's also, this is introducing the one case plan for the offender throughout their whole journey in the justice system. So community corrections that may be the ones looking after them once they get released um, will have some better planning around what they've done in jail that they can just continue while they've got them in the community under supervision. 
Renee, you've had a long career in corrections and you've been around prisons for a long time. I have. What do you think are the top myths in New South Wales around prisons and people doing time and also about people working in prisons? One of the myths is just that inmates get a lot. You know, they get TV and they get three meals and they get, you know, to work. And I think that there's such an interesting concept around that because what they're not getting is their freedom. They're being punished by being put in custody and they have the right to be treated well and being given three meals a day and access to their families and access to employment makes them a better citizen when they get released, which they will get released and they will be in the community again. So I think that really is a myth that inmates get all of these things. They they really, they, they don't get the most important thing, which is being in the community and being with their families and, you know, being able to access services like, like anyone else would. I think another myth is also that um, they don't actually ever look at why they've come to jail and I think that uh, there is a really common misconception that that people are going to commit a crime, they're going to go to jail and they actually don't care and that they stay angry and that they um, don't understand that they've done the wrong thing and actually most inmates that come through the doors do understand that they've done the wrong thing. The issue is that they don't know how to change that they've done the wrong thing. And so that's that's where case management comes in and services and programs and learning how to have a, a job and education to actually really start to think, how can I not do the wrong thing? That's what we want for them. So Renee, what do you say to the people who think that if someone's committed a crime and has, a, has been given a custodial sentence, they really don't deserve access to services and programs and education? Yes, I, um, I certainly hear this a lot. I think that with any negative behaviour becomes a negative thought. And so if you punish people, then they learn how to stay in that place of being negative. And I think that if we actually say, yes, you've done the wrong thing, your punishment is actually putting you in jail, which is pretty bad. We're going to take you away from everything that you know. Of course, they are able to think about why they did the wrong thing and giving them that opportunity to actually say, I'm not a bad person. I just did the wrong thing and us be able to help them become part of our community again because that's that's eventually where all offenders end up, back in the community. Renee, is there anything that you think that the public would be surprised to know about how we manage offenders in New South Wales? I think that there is a huge misconception out there around letting offenders out. I think that people think that once an inmate goes to jail, they'll always stay in jail or there's a special place for them to go when they come out of jail. And I have a lot of discussions with uh, various different people around that once someone's let out of jail, actually they're sitting next to us on the bus. They're next to us at the grocery store. They're our neighbours and, and actually they're, they're not identifiable. They don't have a letter on the back of them that says they were in jail. And so I think that the public often think that that's not the case and that crime won't be in their society or inmates or ex-inmates isn't going to be in their street. Um, and as much as we don't want that and everyone has a fear around that, what we need to accept is people make mistakes and that we want to actually encourage people to recover from their mistakes and be able to go on and live lives that are, that are crime-free um, and then be our neighbours. <laughs> now, my last question for you, Renee, what do you think is the best way to keep someone away from a life of continuous reoffending? Giving them something that they value in themselves which I know can sound a little bit um, airy-fairy, but actually having an offender in front of you and working out for them, what is the difference between you 
coming to jail and not? What is the consequence for you that matters? Is it your child? Is it your partner? Is it your job? Everyone has something um, and actually tapping into what that is for that person and really being able to work on increasing the thoughts around those nice things and decreasing the thoughts around why they're doing the bad things and just trying to strike up that balance. Um, I've seen it. I've actually seen it happen. I've been part of that change in offenders and it's really amazing when they believe that they have the confidence to be different. Joining me now on the phone is Governor Linda Foray, who knows more than most about life on the inside. In a career spanning more than 33 years, she's been a pioneer for women in corrections as the first female dog handler and the first woman appointed as an assault team leader with the Hostage Response Group. Now, Linda, thanks very much for joining us. Linda, how do you think prisons are changing with this increased focus on reducing reoffending? The big change that I've seen is the commencement of a shift in the culture because when I joined back in 1984, there was this sort of underlying rule, if you like, that you didn't sit down and interact with with inmates. You gave or you facilitated the inmates' activities, if you like, and you supervised them and you ensured that they were given their entitlements but there was not the level of interaction between especially the uniform staff as there is now. So there's a big shift in, in, in the culture and a big focus now that uniform staff are, are engaged in rehabilitation programs, whereas before there was a, a, a definite line between, say, welfare officers, program facilitators and uniform, and never the two shall, shall meet. You know, mm. but now that that's that's shifted, that's changed. Linda, do you think that offenders who get sentenced to custody can, in fact, be rehabilitated? Yes, I do, absolutely. Uh, otherwise, we'd be wasting taxpayers' money and our time. So, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be in in, in the organisation. There's a body of international research that suggests that programs can be effective in reducing rates of reoffending, and I'm a great believer and supporter that whilst inmates are incarcerated that we we address those criminogenic behaviors Uh, otherwise what's the point of just locking them in a cell um, and not even trying but I think also that we are now changing the the focus on addressing um, the offenders thinking and I think that that is really important and that should be really the beginning or the step one if you like, because you can plan or or the offenders can plan their release and they can have all the things that are also necessary with that planning, like community support and jobs and stuff. But if they haven't changed their criminal thinking, I don't think that just completing a, a, a program is effectual. So I think that that's where we're we've headed and I think that we're going in the in the right direction. Corrective Services' goal is that by mid-2020, almost 20,000 offenders will have accessed this improved model of case management, and this will support a reduction in the state's reoffending rate. Dr Anne-Marie Martin is the Assistant Commissioner for Offender Services and Programs. I spoke with her earlier this week about the new case management units, but first off, I asked what people might be surprised to see if they were to take a tour through one of our prisons. The public and including new staff, if they haven't been into a prison before, there's, uh, there's probably three main things that I'd say. One is um, some of the 
sights, sounds, smells within a jail. So the creaking, the shouting, often a lot of concrete bars, whilst people see it on TV, unless you're actually going into a correctional centre, um, sometimes it can be actually hard to navigate your way through because of how it looks um, and how it sounds. Also, because some of these centres hold a large number of uh, people, at certain times of the year, you know, particularly if it's hot and different things, it, it you know, it, it doesn't smell pleasant at times. Um, and that can be quite a shock to people when they haven't been in a correctional uh, centre before. The other thing that I think surprises people is some of the activities happening in correctional centres. So many people wouldn't be aware of the beautiful uh, bakeries that we have uh, producing sausage rolls, pies, different things like that. Many people wouldn't be aware of um, inmates being directly involved in construction activities that are returning houses to the community. Many people would never have seen somebody that could never read or write but is now in an intensive learning centre um, and is now picking up a little novel, you know. I think those things are very precious and people perhaps wouldn't think about that. A key component of the government's strategy to reduce reoffending is a new custodial case management model. This includes the establishment of new case management units in New South Wales prisons. The model will ensure continuous, consistent case plans for offenders, regardless of whether they're under community correction supervision or in custody. The new custodial case management units will ensure inmates can continually be targeted for the right interventions and the right programs when they need them most. Dr Martin, why are the new case management units so important when it comes to reducing reoffending? Yeah, so I see these as more of an enabler, so it's really understanding what a person might need um, and then ensuring a, an inmate um, goes to wherever they need at the right time and place. So in and of itself, good case management, it won't have a direct effect in itself. However, without it, there's a real issue that a person won't get what they need and won't have the opportunities to get involved in practice that's, that we know reduce reoffending. So it's a real enabler, it's a supporter, it's a driver uh, that is the foundation for all of the other work we're doing in the reducing reoffending space. In our next episode, we'll be taking an in-depth look at the new high-intensity program units inside prison, and I speak with some offenders about their own experiences in group therapy. Now, it's brought us together as a group, and I uh, know made us talk up about things and problems and issues and stuff. But yeah, it's it's not a bad course. It's the first course I've actually done like inside the jail. So yeah. Remember, you can find out more on the Justice New South Wales Facebook page or visit our website, justice.newsouthwales.gov.au. This is Lessons in Life, Journeys in Offender Rehabilitation, a podcast from the New South Wales Department of Justice.